Welcome to Everything Scary. My name is Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, local celebrity. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, international celebrity. Thank you. Matt McLean. Hello, hello. <laughs> Every Tuesday, we release a new episode, mostly true crime, but we've also been known to cover a pandemic, a haunting, a super mad, super strong chimpanzee. We'll cover anything and everything scary. Please rate us five stars and join us on Instagram at Everything Scary Pod. Here we go. Okay, we're back. I am back as well. How are you? I guess you said we're back. Yes, I meant it. Yeah, you and I are back. Me too. And all my personalities. I literally just said that we're back. (laughs) So, I don't think it's any secret that people know that we uh, record these back-to-back. What? We do? (laughs) you got to be shitting me. (laughs) So, I was going to say, how are you? But if you just listen to the part one right at the beginning, you'll find out how he is. He's fine. Yeah, the same. (laughs) Fresh off the SummerSlam weekend, yo. <laughs> so, again, we have a Patreon. If you're interested, you would have these two parts before the regular feed has the first part. Oh, right. So that's kind of cool. a little early. Yeah, $5 a month, and, you know, you get thank you cards. You get to be in our draws automatically. Mm-hmm. You get two-parters earlier than the first parts on the regular feed, and you get bonus episodes. And I think we have about 13 bonus episodes now. Wow. Yeah. Patreon only. Patreon only Wow, exclusive. that's kind of cool. Yeah, so here we are. Plus feed pics and our <sighs> Facebook page. Yeah, we have a Facebook page. It's just us. Matt hops on there and chitty chats the day away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk to one of our listeners and say, hey, what's up, girls? <laughs> Actually, one of the cases that I'm doing today is a man. I think we have two guys in our Patreon now. Nice. Yeah, you know. All right. We speak to every demographic. Maybe it was you that told it to me, the theory why maybe. women are more into true crime podcasts than men. Because we always have anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. There's and it makes us feel a sense not of danger. Alone. Yes. <laughs> that is crazy. Like I have, I was in Detroit. And I got home at like two in the morning. I didn't think twice about walking to a dark alley to get my. Yeah, well, what are you? You're like six two or something. Yeah. And you're a guy. Like mm-hmm. you're, and you were probably wearing your wrestling shirt. So people knew that you meant people business. People knew to stand back. Yeah. That's right. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was probably a few times people looked at you sideways and then they saw that shirt and they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh my whoa. God. It's Don't. Nice. Touch him. I want to get a summer slam from this guy. He is going to do a squat. Flying, he will just the he's gonna squat ropes. and just take a poop right on the floor. <laughs> this is Detroit, baby. <laughs> when in Rome, am I right, people? <laughs> well, sorry to all of our Detroit listeners. Yeah, no, there was no poop on the Marshall floor. Marshall Mathers. <laughs> yeah, that's what I kept saying to all the locals. I'm like, they're like, Where are you staying? I'm like, I got an Airbnb in Eight Mile. Oh, god, so why? What's going on with you? Did you see Eight Mile? No, oh, no, I would go there just for Eight Mile just we to see what's go. up. My biggest regret is not. Uh, well, there's two things. There's a Henry Ford Museum, which apparently is crazy that I didn't go. But also, uh, Eminem has a restaurant there called Mom's Spaghetti. And I thought it was just like a pop-up to promote one of his albums recently. But it's a permanent brick-and-mortar store. Imagine Eminem just being your boss, though. Like, Well, I don't... <laughs> he comes in and he's like... <laughs> We're going to suspend you. You didn't take the trash out. You're going to get your trash out. Or whatever. <laughs> We're going to write you up, put you in referral, suspension. <laughs> Like wow, okay, cool. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm I'm in. I like like the whole idea of being yelled at as like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Like I would love him to be like, you're not tasting your fucking food. Yeah. Oh my god, what are you an idiot? <laughs> Do I, I have moron written across my forehead? Are you daft? <laughs> so we're gonna do part two of Diane Downs. If you missed part one, I would recommend going back and checking part one because. Yeah. It's a lot of pretty vital information in that one there. Yeah, this isn't like, you know, the second Fast and Furious. You can just jump in. Yeah, you just hop no. in. You're like, oh, it's just cars. Yeah, no. <laughs> so 
Also, I should mention we have an Instagram at Everything Scary Pod. And you can also email us suggestions for cases at everything scary at everything scary pod.com. Nice. Hey, oh. What up? So we are here to wrap up the story of one of the most vile people I have ever had the displeasure of listening to speak. Nice. In part one, we heard of the shooting that happened on May 19th, 1983. Brutal. Yep. Diane claims that she and her three children were gunned down in the middle of a secluded road when she had pulled over to help a man that she thought was in need. Well, she was sightseeing, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the dark. 10.30 at night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever he, see the sights? Oh, the kids are all sleeping? Oh, that's interesting. Hey, kids, do you see the streetlight? Oh, wait, this is secluded. There's probably no streetlights. Okay, well, just carry on then, I guess, sleeping. So he, according to Diane, fatally shot her middle daughter, which was seven-year-old Cheryl, paralyzed her three-year-old son, Danny, and also nearly killed her eight-year-old, Christy, who had suffered a stroke from, you know, low blood pressure following the shooting. The stroke that Christy had suffered had left her without the ability to speak, but after going through seven months of therapy, she reluctantly wrote down the fact that it was, in fact, her mother who had shot Cheryl, Christy, and Danny. And that, with all of the other evidence that was starting to pile up, you know, they had a pretty good idea who did this, but they were really playing the long game because they had been waiting for Christy to be able to just nail her mom to the wall. That must just be so frustrating Mm -hmm. for police, for investigators. Because I know that you need that smoking gun of the, you know, the kid saying that it was the mom, but you know. You know. And she's walking free. But you know what? The stuff that they have on her is really circumstantial. And there's double jeopardy, right? You can't do it twice. Yeah. So you gotta have to, you kinda gotta wait. And thinking she's just grocery shopping or talking to some married dudes, or just living getting her best life. Shoulder pads. Yeah. Why why shoulder pads? Because it was the eighties. Why oh, did people God. wear shoulder okay. pads right. in the eighties? All right, all right. This is near the time rem- nor the place. I remember my mom having shoulder pads sewn into her dresses. And it was like those like, you know, when women get padded bras, it was like that, but for your shoulders. Why would we want big shoulders? I remember my mom in the top of her dresses and they were Velcroed in. So you could remove them. See, your mom knew what was up. She knew. She, she was like, around. do I want my shoulders to be big today? Not as much She's as I did yesterday. starting uh, offensive lineman, or am I going to be a back tackle today? <laughs> like, what was... Have you, as a man, ever just looked at a woman and been like, she's really cute, but those are some oh. small shoulders. Listen, ladies, you got some limp-ass, pouty shoulders? <laughs> Guess what? Your boy ain't gonna holler, okay? <laughs> it's my one thing I don't fuck with. Big shoulders yeah, or old. get the fuck out of my face. I need a girl with a big, broad shoulder. Just a sturdy gal that can, you know, put me on her shoulders at a concert so I can see. Is that too much to ask for? Oh my God. Big, sturdy breasts as well. Big, just shoulders that directly connect to the breasts. That's right. Just a giant upper half. Like a like an upside-down triangle. I want your legs to be sore at the end That's of the day. Right. That's right. So, <laughs> you don't have the body type like the Canadian Tire logo. I ain't hollering. <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> so here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so they wanted Christy to tell them, and now she had. And on February 28th of 1984, do you remember about 1984? Uh, only Cool Girls Were Born 1984. Bingo bongo. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so Diane was finally arrested. And once again, this woman was very pregnant. So. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. Mm-hmm. You think at this point, like, kids are just walking out of there. <laughs> 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 Not just all the babies, but all the yeah. betting married men, That's too. That's right. Kid walks out. Oh, I forgot my bag in there. <laughs> all right, so when, you know, she was asked, because she did have a history of surrogacy, 
So when she asked if the baby was hers or if she was going to be a surrogate again, she said, no, this baby came from love. Mm, and so surrogate. She said, <laughs> she said wild horses could not get her to separate from this child. Oh, that's so graphic. Why? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't say it like that. <laughs> Don't say it like that. So, of course, Diane's story was that the reason they had framed her for this was, you know, first of all, she's a real stand-up girl. And, oh, she's being framed. Yeah. And the fact that they were trying to frame her was because it was actually her ex-husband, Stephen, mm -hmm. that they had tried to get. And Diane, she refused to go along with their narrative mm -hmm. so that they, you know, they couldn't arrest him because they need Diane to say, like, that was my husband. Yeah. But damn it, Diane would not do something so unscrupulous. No, no, nor heinous. No way, no how. Erroneous allegations. <laughs> so, you know, they went for her naturally because they were like, well, if you're not going to play ball, guess what? You're out of here. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So on May 8th of 1984, Diane's trial would begin. During her trial, they would play Hungry Like the Wolves. Oh, my God. Which is the song, if you remember, that Diane said was playing throughout the shooting. Yet in court, when it was playing, Diane was bobbing around in her chair and dancing along. Oh my God. She was mouthing the words until her attorney just grabbed her hand and was like, okay, fucking dial it back a little bit. Jeez. Yeah, so her attorney advised her that it was not a good look for her to visibly be enjoying the song that had played during the murder of her child. She was probably doing that exactly what you're doing right now with the arms rolling. <laughs> so Diane would also go... Are you still dancing? <laughs> I was. I'm sorry. I, I really like that song. I, I was just kind of thinking about it. <laughs> So Diane would go on to speak of her childhood and how her father would set his sights on her and he would physically and sexually assault her. Um, spoiler alert, she does fess up later that this was a load of shit. It's also <laughs> really weird because she's claiming innocence, right? Yeah. So why are you also claiming you had a bad childhood? Like, wouldn't that be like if you, you know, you were oh, yes. guilty by some reason of maybe insanity or something like that? Like, why are you bringing up your sexual assault if you didn't do anything? Right, because you would use that to excuse some sort of behavior. Right. Yes. So, that was a load of shit. Maybe but that just speaks to her. Maybe she's like, listen, I am not a huge piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. But listen, I am not a huge piece of shit. I was abused as a child. <laughs> so, Diane is such a garbage human being that there is very literally no one that she will not completely plow over to get what she wants. Her dad, of course, is the casualty in this story, but in other cases, it was her poor children. Mm. Diane's story would once again change, and she would now tell the story, uh, but there was two shooters this time. Okay, so Bushy guy, and then the guy she knew the name of? Who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. Right, I'm trying to actually like look into it. Like, but uh, I, maybe it wasn't the, <laughs> the bushy-haired guy, because they're two masked men. Oh, okay. So just completely a different story. Someone had advised her that her story didn't line up and that she must be repressing things to protect herself mentally, not that's, consciously. That's a good, like, lawyer or something. Honestly, that's good. That's a good excuse, isn't it? Maybe the first time you got caught in a lie, like, like, I'm not a the dumb fucking dumb. 48th. If I'm in a jury, I'd be like, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's no glove, you must have quit. <laughs> Get him what? out of here. Yeah, Why is he wow. here? You're so smart. <laughs> How did he make it through? <laughs> so there are two masked men. They shot up her car. She then realizes that there is a possibility that she could have been mistaken. And the whole event might have actually been a dream that she had told the first time. Like it wasn't, okay. you know, whatever was more accurate. 
yes. was the, the true stuff. The other stuff was some sort of a... Right, so we just pick. Pick whatever actually works. Okay, for, okay. for us. You know, with the spatter on the outside of the car. Like, we, we're going to need something oh, different. Yeah. So you guys tell me what happened. and then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I didn't do it. No. So the district attorney was a man who was named Fred Hugie. He's going to play an important role in this. So just remember Fred. All right. He has spent a lot of time on this case. And he spent a lot of time with uh, Christy and Danny. And this case haunted him. Aww. And Diane's defense attorney was a man named Jim Jagger. Frankly, I don't know how this guy sleeps at night. How do you fucking defend this woman? Like, Yeah, I know. I know. That has got to be a tough spot because I think their defense, like criminal lawyers and stuff that just that have to represent, you know, like the Bernardos are the biggest pieces of shit in the world. I think they, you have to have a blind loyalty to, to the system. I don't you know. can't think of it as an individual case by case. You got to think, listen, everybody deserves a fair, ugh, even saying it for some of these assholes, though, yeah. Well, Bernardo's guy, the, the first one did, he had to excuse himself. Like, he, he didn't. Oh, really? Think, well, he was the guy that withheld the tapes, right? Mm. So then he gave the tapes to the next guy and said, uh, this is your problem now. <laughs> you can't withhold that kind of stuff. See at the pearly gates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, this guy's, Poor Jim Jaggers defending this garbage fuck mm-hmm. card. And uh, that's just part of the business, I guess. Yeah. Now, I did take the time to look up if he's still practicing, and it appears that as of 2019, he is still a criminal defense attorney. Unfortunately, he only has a rating of 2.3 out of 5. Ooh. But given that he must be around 146 years old, I guess that's probably not that bad. Um, can I ask you a question that has nothing to do with the pod? Sure. Would you like this last chocolate timbit? Or Please can I help it? yourself. Thank you. You are very welcome. <laughs> you know what? That was very considerate of you to ask, well, though. No. Your mom should be proud. <laughs> I'm sure she is. <laughs> Matthew, you were so well behaved on your murder podcast. <laughs> You're such a sweet boy. <laughs> so, a witness named, oh, this guy's great. So, a witness named Joseph Endman testifies that he and his family had driven behind Diane on the night of the shooting. It was a no-passing zone, which means nothing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Which means nothing to me. Solid yellow line, that's a dare, really. (laughs) So he said that Diane was doing between five and seven miles per hour while she was flying to the hospital. Five to seven miles an hour? Mm Mm-hmm. He said that at some points, his speedometer would not even register the speed. Wow. And that the family was certain it was Diane's red car because she had out-of-state Arizona plates on it. But they didn't know at the time it was her. They're reflecting mm, yes, on this yes. super but slow car that they could But he wanted to pass. pass. And he, it was actually to the point that him and his wife were worried about the person in the car. And they wanted her to pull over enough so that they could make sure that she was okay. Mm. So... According to Joseph, he could even pinpoint where he had seen the car, and that was at 10.17, he saw it, and he said that the car was almost exactly 4.5 miles away from the hospital, and it still took Diane another 22 minutes until she arrived at the hospital with her dying children. What is she doing? She is waiting for her children to bleed out. Wow, I shouldn't have asked that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So. In the car with them. So her children are in the car shot. Two of them are conscious, and their mom is doing five to seven miles per hour while they're dying. With a fully wrapped arm. With a fully wrapped arm. And it's crazy because I watched some of the court cases, like the proceedings, trial, and the 
I think the, all of those were accurate, by the way. Perfect. Court case proceeding in trial, you're three for three. So I'm basically Matlock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> um, you look like Matlock. I look like no, Matlock. No, I'm just kidding. Who's that, Andy Griffith? No, you do not. It look is like Andy Matlock. Griffith. Yeah. So it was a white towel. And so he, the actual, the prosecutor had it. And it showed like the blood marks on it from the, like the entry and the exit. Mm-hmm. But he was like, do you see this? And it had like eight different spots on it. And so he folded it perfectly into quarters. And he was like this, it was like perfect. It wasn't like something that she just grabbed and like, it was like folded. He was like, she either took the time in that moment to fold it with a bum arm, which is probably not the case, or she had it placed waiting for, Mm. so that she could wrap her arm. Like, I don't just drive around with a perfectly folded white towel. I mean, in the fact that there was any white left on it with three kids bleeding it, I mean... Oh, she didn't just, touch yeah, the kids no, with the towel. It was no. all her. It was all Diane. But you know what? She's going to have that scar for the rest of her life, and she's going to have to think about that day, Matt. And she was probably like, you know how horrific that night? That was a guest towel. And it was, You know what I've been through? Those are the good towels. It was guests. her vacation. Like, talk about spoilers. Fucking hell. So, Fred Hugie. Oh, he's the lawyer? He is the the prosecutor. Okay, we like him. He would demonstrate using a fake car and dolls in place of the children, and he would show the jury just how the shooting would have happened. And he said everything based on what Christy had said, like the way it all transpired, like who he shot first and whatnot. But it wasn't a guy. She took the stand in front of her mother, baby Christy, and although her speech— The girl? Yeah. Although her speech was still impacted by the stroke that she had suffered, she was able to tell an unwavering recollection of events that transpired on the night of May 19th, 1983. So on June 17th of 1984, Diane Downs was convicted of third-degree assault, aggravated murder, and two counts of attempted murder. Oh, this set of balls on that kid. Yeah. Can you imagine? (laughs) That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So Diane was given a life sentence. It's actually... Do you know who Anne Rule is? Mm, I don't think so. So Anne Rule wrote The Stranger Beside Me, which was the book about uh, Ted Bundy because she had worked with him at a suicide prevention center. And What? Yes. That was a whole string of words that just shouldn't have made sense together. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but So Anne Rule, that was her first book, The Stranger Beside Me, about Ted Bundy. But then she wrote, and I, I do get into this a little bit more, but it was called um, Small Sacrifices that she wrote about Diane Downs and her children. And uh, there was a movie that was made based upon Anne Rule's book. And in the movie, I rented it. And in the movie, when the little girl gets on stage and she's just like, her eyes are filled with tears. And like, it's an actor, but like just her looking at her mom. And like, when they say, who shot you? And she goes, my mom did. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, I can't, I can't imagine. But um, so Diane was given a life sentence plus 65 years but she would be eligible for parole in 2009. Uh-oh. After Diane's psych evaluation was completed, it was stated that Diane would be considered a dangerous offender. She had a narcissistic personality disorder, and she was a deviant sociopath. She had a brilliant mind without a conscience to guide it. Wow. And she feels entitled to any and everything that she wants and feels as though she should not have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> oh, man. And 10 days later, on June 27th of 1984, Diane would give birth to a healthy baby girl. Oh, damn it. Who she would name Amy Elizabeth Downs. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, that baby was taken by the state at only hours years old. Oh, that's awesome. And she was adopted by a loving family and renamed Becky Babcock. Now, I don't feel bad 
saying that because she's very out there with with her uh, well, identity. Oh, okay. That, so that you'd is. feel bad if it was like giving If it away. was just like, you know, I just sneakily found this information and she, you know, oh, right. wanted, wanted to be to private. Yeah. yeah, okay, I got you. I got you. But uh, after finding out her true identity, Becky got in contact with Diane, who initially was very responsive to the idea of a relationship with her younger daughter. And the two had exchanged a few letters until things got weird and a little threatening with her biological mother. And that was when Becky realized that she was indeed the extremely toxic person that everybody had described her as. Wow. Uh, Diane would later admit during a 1988 Oprah Winfrey show in which she was interviewed via satellite, which I didn't know was a thing in 1988. From jail? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. See, when 88, what was the Gulf War? No, it was in the 90s, right? Because I know the first, yeah, I guess so. Like, even like, now it is because this was perfect. Like it was like so on, but like I'm thinking about like Zoom nowadays, and it's like there's lag. Like how were we better in the '80s? <laughs> so with that, so that Oprah show was a taped show. Yeah, she was live on tape. So with any kind of hey, how you doing? They edited. Good, it how out. are you? You can edit that, so it's good. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Right. So you can chop up with both one live and one tape. You can you can make it look like you're. Goddamn genius, you know that? Well, I mean, that thing, yes, I do know. No, I do. Because I was watching it, and my husband even came in, and he stopped for a second, and he was looking at it, and he's like, is that via satellite? Like, how is the response to him so quick? But you know what? You're 100% yeah. on. I assume that's how they would do it. Yeah. yeah. You're so smart. Thank you. So, yeah, she was interviewed I by like a satellite. I on me. It makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Most of it happens off air, but. Oh, ton of it off yeah, air. It's, it's bordering on sexual harassment at this cool point. cool for you to do it on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so. She states that she had gotten herself pregnant purposely, which is just extremely selfish. Wow. Um, She said that she was very aware of her cycle and was able to time things perfectly. She went out and found a man who had good bone structure and bingo bongo. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then they got married and did it on the wedding night? How does that... (laughs) <laughs> she undid her chastity belt oh for the yeah. first time. Put some silks on the lamps. <laughs> so Diane was pregnant again. Also, this is a trigger warning for anyone who has had personal issues with pregnancy or getting pregnant. Diane would say, and I quote, you can't replace children, but you can replace the effect that they give you. And they give me love. They give me satisfaction. They give me stability. They give me a reason to live and a reason to be happy. And they took that from me. But children are just so easy to conceive. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's funny you need a license for a lot of things. A right? A lot of things. Right? <laughs> and I find that having friends that have had issues with fertility, I just find that to be the most ignorant fucking... I've seen people struggle so hard to get uh, pregnant. Sure. And then as if this woman could make herself even more unlikable, mm-hmm. she fucking nailed it in one sentence. Yeah. Like, yeah. good for you, Diane. So during this interview, Diane is on screen and Oprah is sitting there with award-winning true crime author Anne Rule. Uh, she became famous when she wrote the Ted Bundy book. I just told you all of that. So uh, the small sacrifices is the Diane Down story. Well, Diane sure had a few words for Anne. No oh boy. During the Oprah show, and according to many psych evaluations, Diane Downs is thought to be exceptionally smart. But she's no match for Anne Rule. <laughs> and it is awesome to watch. <laughs> uh, 
Anne just would overcome her with every rebuttal. And it was just, she was so chill. Like, she wasn't like me, who'd be, like, chomping at the bit you to get my, yeah. like, try to say well, something. Because I did my own research. Oh. Anne's just sitting there, like, just waiting for her to shut up for a second, and then she'd just say what she had to say. Yeah, she's like, hey, Ope, I'm going to jump in here, okay? Then the entire episode of The Oprah Show is on YouTube, so I encourage anybody that wants to watch it to watch it, because it, it is really good. Does Dr. Phil come on, or is this pre... I think this is pre-Phil. Damn. Yeah. I thought I was going to watch it in fragments because it's like, I don't know, 45 minutes long. But I I sat through the entire thing and I was like, just, it was great the entire time. At one point, Diane says to her, you say this is a true story, but you changed the name of 12 people in the book. So how is that real? And Anne says something to the effect of, I changed the names of your married lovers so as not to destroy their lives (laughs) as well as yours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you fucking idiot. And Diane also questions how Anne could have written a book on her when she didn't even sit down and speak with her. And Anne gives the date and says that she did meet up with Diane. Uh, and Diane goes, uh, yeah, for like 20 minutes, Anne. And then Anne says, I also sat in the courtroom when you testified for four days and told your entire life story from your childhood abuse, through your marriages, through your multiple affairs, about how you felt at one point. You said to the prosecutor, Mr. Hughie, would you like me to explain how I met all of my lovers and how our affairs were carried out? And Diane says, yeah. And he said, no, that wouldn't be necessary. And Anne says, he did, and then you went on to tell it anyways, Diane. Ah, that's great. <laughs> and then she says, which for a writer, you helped me a lot in your testimony. <laughs> I gotta I gotta hand it to you, Diane. <laughs> you, I, I listen, if you weren't just a piece of shit and laws foreboded, I would give you some of the money on these <laughs> books, but I just I just I just hate you so much. I just, I, God, I just hate you. <laughs> So in this interview, she also talks about how she broke the court order not to see her kids, um, you know, following the shooting, but before she, her court. Um, she had followed the children's father, Stephen, and when he had a visitation with them and spoke to Christy. And she even made a point to mention how she only wanted to discuss mom things with Christy. She says that she had bought her some clothing for school and some new shoes. And she wanted to make sure that Christy liked all of the things that she bought. And she wanted to make sure they fit properly. She's just such a good mom. So, Steve, so the dad. So he's not fit to be a father. Okay, that was yeah. my question. So the so kids are in foster care, but they still get visitation with He still the, loves them. He's just yeah, like, I don't know. Just down on his luck or whatever. Kids. I just don't think, I don't know. They don't really touch on it too bad because she is the fucking villain here. Sure. But he didn't really want kids to begin with. Right. And she just kind of duped him into having kids and then didn't even dupe him into having the last one. But yeah. She had him. Right, I got you. So she also tells Oprah that Danny is not paralyzed. He uses a walker, but he does have feeling and movement below his waist, which I don't believe is true. (laughs) And then Oprah says to Diane, aside from being accused of shooting your children, you just don't seem to be a very nice person, Diane. (laughs) You're always having affairs with married men. (laughs) Oprah. (laughs) Now, the reason Oprah is prompted to say this is because on July 11th of 1987, three years after her conviction— in the Oregon Women's State Correctional Center, Diane Downs scaled an 18-foot barbed wire fence and escaped. Oh, my God. 11 days after she was captured in the home of a fellow cellmate's husband. Yes! I love it! She found out that the man lived nearby and took that as an invitation to move herself into his home and when Oprah brought this up, Diane said that the man's wife had not seen him in five years. And they hadn't even had sex in five and a half years. So, like, fair game, right? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, some people give up their hoe and ways, but other people are true to their hoe self all the way to the end. And you got to give it up to Diane. Diane, love the D. Love that D. 
Diane with her D obsession. Wow. Ugh. 11 days, though, that is a long time to be uh, an escaped convict. I mean, especially just around the corner. Like, yeah. this guy didn't live far. <laughs> Did, so she escaped to see that guy? Well, she, this is actually very funny. I'm sure I have it in here. So let me just see here. So Diane had an appeal hearing in 2009, which she was obviously denied. Mm -hmm. She had another one two years later in which she cries because she's worried for the safety of her parents. If she is released, she has to report <laughs> back her address. She has to tell them her address, Matt. And because, according to her, that's just like reporting it to the media. Oh, my and God. And it would put her elderly parents at risk. So it's, you know, really sad. Uh, I'm worried about the safety of my parents. Yeah, uh, we haven't looked into your parents. Uh, you're the most dangerous person in their lives. So <laughs> we're actually just going to keep you inside. <laughs> She's like, uh, uh, uh. she actually talks about the kookaloos. Um, what is that? Like oh, the crazy like, people oh, okay, that okay, okay, they okay. bother her parents. And, you know, the ones that she lied about having abused throughout her childhood. Yeah. She was wor super worried about them. All the kookaloos bothering them. Yeah, we don't want the kookaloos. sympathies. <laughs> her most recent parole hearing was on September the 23rd of 2020, which had to be done through Zoom. Uh, Diane seemed confused when she had a psych evaluation because it was deemed that she would need to be under psychiatric supervision if she was ever to be released. Her confusion was because the doctor who had done the evaluation, Dr. Michelle Guyton, had kept reporting on Diane that she was low risk. She kept saying low risk, low risk, low risk. So why would she be considered a danger? Why would she need to be under constant supervision mm -hmm. if you know she was low, low risk. risk? But if she was entered into society again and there was, you know all the extenuating circumstances. Like, in the jail, she's low risk because she's sure, you're under supervision. She's, yeah, she's, yeah, she's low risk incarcerated. Like a drug addict. You're exactly. Inside. Yeah, it's very easy to sober Or a up pedophile. Inside. You're yes, low no risk. There's no children at the, Exactly. Yeah, okay. So they were labeling her as low risk, but if she entered society again, there'd be, and there's some reason to hurt somebody that she stands to benefit from, that may She'll lead no to... walking over. Exactly. Yeah. So she would be at risk to reoffend. But in prison, she wasn't an overly violent person. It was only using whatever was necessary to get what she wants. And that is how she could be both low risk and high risk at the same time. Mm -hmm. As it stands today, Diane is in the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, California, mm -hmm. which ironically, in episode five, our show with Haley, I covered the Chowchilla bus kidnapping. Do you know that story? I think so. so well, because I used to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Before I started and ruined it. <laughs> no, you didn't ruin it at all. <laughs> but they kidnapped a whole bus full of kids. But then after the kids were found, they took all of the kids to this prison and put them in, like, clean clothes. So it was, like, all the prison garb. And then they, like, fed them sandwiches out of the kitchen there and stuff uh, like that. Okay. So, But the just kids, as a keep the kids safe kind of Just deal. keep yeah, them safe, yeah, yeah. We got a But then they were wearing, like, these, like, giant huh? jumpers and, like, just oh, right, little like kids. All, and <laughs> all the sleeves rolled up. Like, the hand up. It sounds really cute, actually, to me. I don't know. Little chain gang. <laughs> Fixing little tiny potholes. <laughs> they just gave him little tiny tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> so lastly, I wanted to keep these poor three kids in mind when I was writing this because I think their story kind of gets lost uh, in all of it because she's just such For a sure. fucking messy a character. part of the headlines. So there's not a lot out there, nothing really for poor Cheryl, but for Christy and Danny, actually both were adopted by the main prosecutor, Fred Hugie. Come on. Yeah, and his wife, Joanne. Aww. Danny is still partially paralyzed, and Christy still has a speech impediment due to the shooting. 
but they are both very happy and productive. Both graduated from high school, and Danny is apparently a computer whiz and is happy and healthy. Christy went to the University of Oregon and is married with two children, uh, the second of which was a baby girl who she named Cheryl after her sister. Oh, I have goosebumps. Samesies. That is so <laughs> awesome. Um, unfortunately, the weapon that Diane used to hurt her children has never been found, but she is where she needs to be, and hopefully she will continue to be there until her dying day. Yeah. So you had asked if she had just broken out to be with this guy. Uh, I didn't write it down in here, but no, she didn't. And what she later said was that she knew where the bushy-haired stranger or the masked man or whoever had shot her kids was. She knew where they were, and she had broken out of jail because— these people were not doing what they needed to do to get that man behind bars, so she was going to find him. Oh, good, okay. Yeah, but she just stopped by her friend's husband's house to just bone for a few days. a couple of bang sessions in. Maybe, I think she was leaving the next day to go find him. It was just 11 days worth of D, and then Uh on her way. Get it all up on it. And so that's that. That's the Diane Downs story, and I fucking hate her. And researching this case, I was in a bitchy mood because of it. Whoa, how long have you been researching the case for? (sighs) Because I've known you. For the better part of a year, and I would say that's definitely the <laughs> demeanor that I, I've become accustomed to. I am not a... You're a bitch, bitch. Oh, <laughs> you're a bitch, bitch. You're a bitch, bitch. A bitch is bitch. Bitch is bitch. Oh, okay. man. Yeah, no shit. What a fucking case. That is awesome, man. Though with the, the pro, I love that. Isn't that I very nice? I love that. And the fact that they were like successful after the fact that their mom did this. Like, how are you ever trusting another human being in your life? Well, and anything computers, anybody who's partially paralyzed or has any mobility issues, it's perfect. I know. Right? I know. It's Coding, just a shame. Like, that, all that. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. And during the court case, too, they showed his little shirt and like he just was shot right in his back. And I'm just mm. like, he was probably all curled up facing, like, the, you know, the wall of the car. Yeah, like snuggling in, like, a kid sleeping in a car. Fuck, it breaks my heart. It really, really oh, does. Oh, right, his back would have been out. I just cannot, I in, can't. Yeah. Three-year-old. Yeah. My kid is three. Yeah. Like, I, I know. It's how do you fucking crazy. do that? For a man? For a man. And you've got, like, all these... A married man. She's fucking got... She's batting away dicks, apparently, and she's... <laughs> she This one, like, what fucking... <laughs> Sang opera to her. I don't know what would make. I don't. Sorry, I couldn't imagine hurting my kids for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucked up. Well, can't try to uh, apply logic to some of these situations. You'll no. drive yourself up the wall. No, I know, I know. Well, I, know. I would never. Well, no shit. You're a fucking half decent logical person. <laughs> half decent. Thank you. you are welcome. <laughs> okay, on to the next. All right. Bye. bye. In two years' time, I had ten separate lovers. Two years, that's not very many, and less than half of them were married.